There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is the Josh Innes Show on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Howdy! 203 and welcome in to the Josh Innes Show. It's the Josh Innes Show normally, but today, today is a special day because today... It is the JNR show. Get you some of that. Give me a little bit of that, Nick. Go ahead. It's the JNR show today. I'm Redskins owner Dan Snyder. You found it. This is Archie Manning. You found it. Coach Dick Vermeil. You found it. You're listening to Josh and Rich, and you found it. Hello, I'm in the science, and you found it. Hi, this is Nolan Ryan, and you found it. I am Adam Sandler, and great news, guys. You found it. What you have found is Houston's number one sports radio show. <laughs> it is the Josh and Rich Show. Rich, how are you, man? Uh, Nick, can you tell Josh I'm not talking to him? I'm still pissed off about seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that And that was tense at that time, too. It was. It was tense. We're, it was, we're better now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we are better now. We are 100% better now. To, to answer your question, well... As far as I know, COVID-19 negative. Yep. And uh, very happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. No, I am glad you're here. And if you guys want to get in, 713-780-3776. That's 713-780-ESPN. Rich, is this your first time on the radio since last June, July? When was it? About 11 months since the last time I did terrestrial radio. Mm -hmm. Well, you were on my podcast. And were you on another podcast? No. Just mine? All I've done since July of last year is your (laughs) podcast and your radio show. That's it. Nobody wants to hear from me. I don't think that's true. And I think you'll learn that today is that people were excited about this. You know, whether people like you on the radio or not, I think that there's like a calming sense when someone that's been on for a long time is on again because like gavin told me this once he said uh, it was after i forgot who had gotten let go and people were mad about something and he said josh if you put a mouse on the radio and you take the mouse off the radio pe- there will be certain people that wonder what happened to the mouse like you know what i'm saying like people want to know and um yeah i i think that so 11 months ago is when you got laid off that got let go do you consider it a layoff or do you just go oh, i got fired like which way do you look at it it's a good question I don't know what the difference is. I th- I'm pretty sure I got fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like me, each time I've been let go, I've been fired. You know, so I mean, like, but if you say laid off, it kind of go, it kind of softens it and they go, oh, it's because I made too much money and you sound baller. But ultimately you view it as just like, hey, I got, I got whacked. I definitely got whacked. And uh, I was coming up on my 24th anniversary of uh, hosting that afternoon show. That's amazing, the by dock. the way, that somebody has had the same job for 24 years. I'd say that. I don't know, other than Francesa, he'd be one of the guys that's had the same job and no longer has that job, but yeah. he had it from 89 till about oh, 19, so he had about 30 years, you know, solid. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people, you know, Angelo Cataldi in uh, in Philadelphia is one of the guys I think of. 
not many people had a job for 24 years, and that in and of itself is a skill. I've had four jobs in 11 years. Well, you had one job in 24 years. The greatest skill was keeping my head down. That was pretty much about it. <laughs> just but, stay out of people's way. It's just, <laughs> every, every year that goes by is another year. Honestly, the, the last 11 months have not been easy because before that 24 years, I did seven on the radio at other places. Sure. Well, not more than seven. My goodness. Uh, 14. I'm sorry. Whether it be El Campo or KTRH. Right. How long were you at KTRH? Uh, almost nine years. Nine years. At K- I see. I would have never thought that. So you and Charlie did a show on KTRH as well? We did. We did a show called Sports Beat Saturday. And then we were both part of a rotation on their weeknight show, Sports Beat. But yes, we were together uh, on uh, 740 and then also for five years. Uh, on 610. And honestly, Josh, the last 11 months have not been easy because suddenly, for the first time in my adult life, I don't have a radio job to go to every day. Yep. But what you were talking about right now is such solace to me. And I really mean that sincerely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot believe how blessed I was over 38 years. I know. To go to work every day and be paid to talk sports on the radio, I got over. Oh, and uh, big time. And you think about this. You came here from New York. How old were you? 23. So 23. You came here for a job in El Campo, right? No, I came here because a buddy of mine, George Barber, who uh, got out of uh, school a year before me because I was on the five-year plan. Um, I was on the two-year plan, but I got kicked (laughs) out. That's why I was on the two-year plan. Long story short, my buddy George got a job with Texas Instruments in Houston. So calculators and and stuff. And worked on me for a year to move to Houston. To work at Texas Instruments? No. He said the unemployment rate in 81 was like 2% in Texas that even I could probably get a job. Fair enough. So I came down here on a Sunday night, and uh, on uh, Monday, I looked for bartending jobs up and down Westheimer. Got offered three. Really? And Any of those bars still around? Mm, no. Westheimer Pub, is I think, still might around? still be there. I'm Nick, not is sure. that around? No. no. I don't think so. Anyway, the next day on Tuesday, I drove out to Rosenberg and met the general manager at KFRD in Rosenberg. They offered me a job on the spot. Think about that, though, that a guy from New York, and you're from what? Uh, you're Brooklyn, Brooklyn right? You're yes. from Brooklyn. So a guy from Brooklyn, New York, drives down here hoping to be in – were you hoping to be in broadcasting or was it oh, just yeah. any kind of no, work? No, no. I was looking for a sports radio job. So you're looking for a sports radio job. You go from Brooklyn, Bayonne? Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. My bad. Okay, so Bayonne's in New Jersey. Uh, so you're in Bay Ridge. Right. You're like, oh, I'll go down to Texas. You drive – to El Campo. Well, I stopped in Cincinnati on the way for Bruce Springsteen show. Well, and, and you and you went to a school at Dayton, so you know Ohio. Right. So you just so that, that's solid though. You go, you stop. <laughs> How much did it cost to go see Bruce Springsteen in 81, 82? Maybe twenty five bucks. Maybe I would argue probably ten if you got the cheap seats there. So Could you go be. there, you come down here, spent the night in Memphis where Doc lived at the time. You know Doc, my buddy. Yes, yes. Memphis, Memphis is a great town. I mm-hmm. like Memphis a lot. So you go to Cincinnati. How do you fight? Like you had. To read a map obviously like yeah. now you got ways like you were asking me how to get here today like right. i was pumping into ways and it takes you all these different ways like when i moved here initially from uh from baton rouge i had i had a map quest printout you just had a map i had uh, Rand mcnally in my, in my ra- corner did you take out the, the marker and highlight the route like how did you, you just open it up and actually say- at the time the thing to do was i had a triple a membership that was the extent of my responsible nature mm-hmm and you would go to AAA's office, and they would map out a trip for you. So they mm-hmm. would do all of it for you, highlight the map and give it to you, and you could take it with you. So they made it easy. 
But I got here on a Sunday night, and by Tuesday afternoon, I had a radio job. They offered me a sales job selling advertising. That doesn't seem like your thing. Well, but they said a new high school was opening up in Rosenberg called BF Terry. Mm -hmm. And they were going to need someone to call their baseball and basketball and football games on their radio. Ah, I I looked at them and said, don't call anybody else. (laughs) I'll do it. I'm in. But you'll sell for the opportunity to do the play-by-play job. Right. I lasted nine months on that job. I got canned. Yeah. Um, How did you get canned from what? From because you didn't sell enough? No, I was nine months out of college and still acting like a moron. Oh, so you're kind of like me when I was at six ten. I was partying. I was coming in late. I was an idiot. So, I really was. So, so if you get fired in El Campo, or no, that, that the, was Rosenberg. So then you, so then you moved to El Campo on unemployment for three months. All right. And then somebody I had worked with in Rosenberg calls me one day and says. Hey, uh, they're looking for someone in El Campo. <laughs> to Which do- one's the bigger market? Like, <laughs> right. like, well, but, you know what? I'm moving up to El Campo now, so I think I fi- I'm sitting pretty. But this will interest you. Okay. They were launching a 50,000-watt adult contemporary station in El Campo, mm-hmm. and they were looking for someone to cover sports over like a five or six county area. Yeah. I was the guy. Look at you. So you owned all those counties. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the industrial cobras, the Tide Haven Tide. <laughs> Uh, the Van Black Leopards. Then how the hell do you get I to KTRH? I keep going if you like. How do you get to KTRH from that? Like, because you go from El Campo to a 50,000-watt station that at night covers half the country. All right. If as long, if we are going to play this, this is your life thing, I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll keep it as brief as possible. Um, what I did when I was in El Campo was I spent as much time as possible in Houston. Mm-hmm. I was at every Rocket game, every Astro game, every Oilers game. Because you're credentialed to do that, right? Because right. you're in the media. I got my credential through El Campo, and I meet as many people as possible. And back then, though, credential could get you so much more, too. Like it's now, true. like my dad used to tell me that he worked at some dinky station in a small town in Missouri. He'd take a credential, go to Bush Stadium. Before you know it, he's taking pictures with Vin Scully, and he's on the field drinking beer up in the press yeah, box. Like, have, I, have I told you this before? At the Astrodome in the 80s, mm-hmm. the press lounge had an open bar. That is badass. I'm talking beer, liquor, anything you wanted, bartender on duty through the entire game, and you could walk from your perch in the press box to the bar, get a drink, and drink. And, and, and it wasn't Im- just after the game. It was during the game. During the game. During, you could, you could, you could grab alcohol during the game and drink while you were on duty. That's awesome. Long story short, I covered a lot of Astros games. And I wound up stringing for the Texas State Network, which I think still exists. I think it does. Up in Dallas, maybe? I think it does. Um, and I wound up getting credentialed through them for the 86 NLCS Astros-Mets. Which was a good one. An epic one. And that led to some contacts that led to a part-time gig at KTRH. And then that became full-time gig how? Two years later in 89. Uh, Jerry Truppiano. Yep was the uh, sports director at KTRH when I got hired. Phil Boudreau was his right-hand man. They gave me the break I needed. Two years into working, 4 a.m. to noon, Saturday and Sunday. That was my shift. 4 a.m. to noon every Saturday and Sunday after working Monday through Friday. And what were you doing? Just news, like sports on the news? Yeah, two sportscasts an hour. They did what they called news wheels. You know what that is. Yeah, did they not have talk shows? It was all just news wheel? For 4 a.m. to noon, it was all news. Gotcha. So I did that for two years, and then Truppiano left to become the play-by-play voice of the Montreal Expos. I I recall, yeah. And when he left, everybody on staff got bumped up a notch, and I got bumped up from part-time to full-time. And and then you start doing the show with Charlie, and that goes for eight years, nine years, you said? Well, I was at KTRH a total of nine years, um, the first two part-time, 
and probably the last three or four doing the Saturday show with Charlie. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people view that show, for a certain era of people, that was the sports radio show because there was no sports radio 610 at the time. You guys launched sports radio 610. It sounds silly to say now because it's so long ago, but we kind of broke the mold a little bit in the late, nine, late 80s, early 90s. And that's when this thing became a big boom because that's when FAN started doing right. everything, and then every town had to have their either their sports talk station or they were doing sports at night on a news station like you guys were. Right. Right. It was uh, 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 Jerry Truppiano and a guy who used to be the general manager of the Oilers named John Breen mm-hmm. were hosting the uh, sports show on KTRH. And their main competition was Martini and Edmonds on 790, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, Anita Martini, who was the first female member of the media to ever enter a major league locker room. Yep. Uh, and Mike Edmonds. You know Mike Edmonds. Do I? Well, maybe not. I don't think I do. Mike was, uh, uh, like I said, down the dial, U of H guy, did U of H play-by-play for many years, was a good guy, no longer with us, God rest his soul. Anita as well. She was wonderful. God rest her soul. So that's Rich Lord. He's hanging out with us today. It is the J&R Show. We're reunited today for one day only. And we're not going to do two hours of Rich's life story, are we? I don't think so. I just wanted to let everybody who didn't know who you are, which I don't know who that would be. I do have a lot of Philadelphia people that listen and watch this on Twitch and stuff. So now you guys know. You know who Rich is. If you want to talk, 713-780-3776. 713-780-ESPN is how you get involved you can text to that same number i do though want to talk because one of the reasons i wanted to have you in here is i felt that you got a raw shake at the end with uh with 610 i don't know that you're not a guy that wants to bury people i get that you've never been that guy i feel like you got done dirty at the end and we'll talk about it. we can talk, Let's about, talk about it i, I do because i do think that what happened to you and, and that's coming from me who hated you and you hated me at stretches for a pretty while much, pretty <laughs> much we hated each other for a long stretch no but, I, but it's, when you see wrong wrong is wrong so we'll do that and i'd love to hear from you guys 713-780-ESPN lots to do today stay there espn 97.5 This is the Josh Innes Show on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. Josh and Rich today, J&R Show here on 97.5. I don't hate you yet. No, it's easy for us to like each other now because we talk like once every couple of months. I'll tell you what I thought was cool, though. When I got back to Houston, right, and I was doing afternoons, so I was still taking shots at you and Sean at the time because that's... That's my shtick is, you know, taking shots at people. I understand. So we we were at the Super Bowl at Radio Row here in Houston, and I'm yes, walking around George with R. Jim. Brown. I'm walking around with Jim, and I see you, and I'm thinking, oh, damn, this probably isn't going to go well because I said a lot of bad things on the way out. I'm an a-hole. I can acknowledge I'm an a-hole. <laughs> I mean, I, I got in trouble. I don't know if I ever – and I'm, I might have told you this on the podcast, but the last show we did together yeah. uh, on December 19th of 2013, it was a very awkward day because there was, was a listener that won a contest. So this listener was in with us. Oh, that's right. And we weren't talking to each other at all. So, like, we'd go to break. And I remember before the show started, you said – Something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, this isn't going to be some we're going to miss you, Josh, show today. And I'm like, fine with me. I'm ready to get the hell out of here anyway. So, <laughs> so oh, I mean, it was, like, we had, like, we, I, I, like, it's funny. It though, was ugly. We, but the thing is, 
it wasn't always ugly. No, sometimes no, no. it was ugly. Sometimes it was like the most fun ever. Like we'd go to your house and eat meatballs and sausage with your mom, and it was awesome. No or doubt. When we were in Chicago, Ben sent me a video of me, you, and Jenny oh, I see drunkenly that. singing the Eagles at oh, a bar yeah. in Chicago. Like, I we, remember like, that. like there were moments, and I think when the there was show moments was moments before your glass mug fell off the jukebox and, bro, and shattered yes. on the floor. But we had so much, and we went to the pizza joint, Vito and Nick's. It was great. Like our show wasn't always like we hated each other. No, Part we made of it up, was we made up songs about Manti Teo. We did all sorts of stuff, <laughs> and that's the funny thing. Or we would play these calls that the, these songs that people made up about me being terrible. There were moments. When we actually genuinely liked each other. That's true. But I think there's like an image, at least on my part, I can tell you what it was for me. A lot of immaturity, a lot of, you know, I'm 20 at the time when I got that gig, 23, 24, I think maybe. And you so were young. Yes. a lot of it was just kind of like, well, I'm going to do this for a while. Then I'm going to LA, then I'm going here and then I'm going to be national and whatever. Like, I, I don't know what, like what, what it was that you hated or disliked, but I can tell, or if they, you thought anything was on your end, but I just know that on my end, I was very immature, and I'll tell you who, who, who was... It wasn't all on you, though, Josh. I'm not going to say it was 100% that's fine. you, because there were times where I was kind of an a-hole as well. Sure. Like, like there were times like that really set me off. Like I don't know if you'll remember this. So I used to wear jerseys of all sorts of different teams, but one day I had that Cardinals jersey on. Uh, and you, I, mean, I, you mean the day you wore it in the Astros press box? I did. I did wear the Cardinals jersey in the Astros press box. But you'll be proud to know that when I went down to celebrate when the Cardinals clinched a playoff spot in 2011 uh, at, the, at the Minute Maid, I took the jersey off before I went into the clubhouse to get champagne poured on me. But anyway. Very big of you. So on the air, you were ripping me for wearing this jersey. And I remember Gavin's like, can you stop talking about the jerseys he wears? Because we have to make people think that he hates everything that's not Houston. So he, Gavin has this big talk with us about this. And we were doing a show at Hooters. And I, I'm wearing a jersey. I'm wearing like a Cardinals jersey. And I swear, the show opens. And you go, see, you got your Cardinals jersey on again today. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like fuel in the fire. And I think that was the day the Hooters over on 290 caught on fire. And we had to leave the oh, remote because yeah. the That's Hooters right. caught on fire. Right. But here's the thing. <laughs> I routinely wore my Yankees cap. And, that, and it, that's what would irk me because people would go, Rich loves Houston. And you right. hate it. And I'm like... He's got. A, he works I, for the Texans, and he's wearing a Yankees hat. And somehow, in my mind, I thought, "Well, they're not in the Astros division, so <laughs> you can't wear <laughs> you can't wear Cardinals gear because you know you're supposed to hate the Cardinals in Houston, and, and the Yankees are in the other league." And that, that, there was always ways to justify right. everything, but like, and then right. we wouldn't talk during breaks. Like, you would have thought we had done a show together for 15 years and just hated each other. We're like doing a show for two years, but we're acting like people who had done a show for 30. Right. Like I would just get up and I'd walk out, you know, during the, during a break. We wouldn't talk. Here's what made very me, Mike and the Mad Dog ish. Well, yeah, but when they, you know, were ten years into it, we were right. ten months right. into right. it and not talking. That's true. No, but what was funny about some of this? So, like, even though we never really talked about anything involving the show, like I knew that you had things you wanted to talk about. I had things, and basically, it was kind of like I most of the time directed where it was going. But if you had something like, "Hey, I want to do this," I'd go. Go. And that was the only sort of talk we did about the show. Yeah, it wasn't mapped out at all. At all. And that's how I like it. Like, I'm kind of, my mind is all over the place. Now, of course, they wanted us to map everything out. So there was a big board. And this is where I was an a-hole, right? I'd get so mad that you would come in at like 15 till because I'm the jerk that's there at like 10 in the morning. I'm like, Gavin, I've been here since 10. Where is Rich? And now that I'm like more into, I'm like, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. You know, he, he was on my case constantly about not coming in earlier. And then he just gave up. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what that means. But real quick about Gavin Spittle. Yes. Because he came in in 2009. 
Yeah. And I had been there for 14 years. And for 14 years, I had been told by everyone who was in charge at that station that just do whatever you want. Just come in, do your best, and it'll let the chips fall where they may. Inmates run the asylum. Type right. Deal. And Gavin came in in 09. And for the first time in my broadcast career, I had someone that was there to give me direction. Sure. To tell me how I can be better, how, I, how we can improve our ratings, and how we, can do, uh, how we can put out a better on-air product. And I embraced it. Mm-hmm. I think you know that the people who didn't embrace it weren't around very sure. long. You know who didn't at first? A fellow by the name of Mark Vandermeer. And I'll uh, tell you, at, I'll at tell you first, this about Mark. At first, I, I think you're right. Because yes. I was on the show with him, and I love Mark. Mark's like another dad to me. He's a wonderful guy. But but Mark, I remember, he th- like we talk about this dude in Philadelphia who threw his headphones and it was big news. Mark would throw pens and everything a lot. And I remember one day vividly, Gavin comes in and he's like, you're not having David Bailiff on the show, coach at Rice at the time. You right, are not right. having David Bailiff on. Oh, he killed the golf hour, too. He killed the, He killed it all. What was the golf? The I, golf doctor. Oh, yes, and he killed that. And he killed all this. And he's on this station is, now, is, right? I, I, is the golf doctor Charlie on this Epps. Station? Is he on Charlie it? Epps is on this yeah, station. Okay. that's what I thought. So that's what that was? The Charlie Epps show. Okay, yeah, so. Yeah. Great guy. So here's what happened, though, is Mark got so furious because I guess he, like, basically, I think they interviewed everybody. Like, I don't know that for a fact, but like, hey, here's the U of H coach. Here's the Rice coach. Here's this person. And Gavin was like, you are not interviewing David Bailiff. And Mark lost his mind, if I recall correctly. The other time I saw Mark really lose his mind was during the Texans tailgate issue with the Cowboys and there were fights fights, and they they said this he and Lopez were were arguing about this and Mark that was one of those days where Mark threw his uh, his his pen and it's okay now because it was 10 years ago and we can talk about these things Mark is the best dude in the world but like when Gavin you're right when he came in there people were like I don't really need this he turned the place upside down and just to finish the thought on Gavin he's been one and I think you probably can say the same thing He's been one of the most impactful people in my career. I agree. He he did great things at 610 and changed the formula at 610, and it worked, and we did well. And, you know, I'll always be grateful to him. The only thing that irked me, and it still does to this day. That he left? No. Well, that, that certainly was one thing. But <laughs> a big component of his overall philosophy is, you don't take calls. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. And I, I didn't like that. I like the interaction with callers. I always like the interaction with callers. And I think I might send this to you, Nick, but I've got some audio of you and I fighting over callers at one point because you would. that's another thing that would irk me is I'd be in the middle of making a point and you'd go, why don't we see what the callers think? And I would just lose <laughs> my mind. But see, initially, that was the first thought was take more callers to show that people are listening. Then as the, it, we started kind of fading the callers out as the Absolutely. numbers started to go up. But no, I, I'm with you on that. By but, the time I left last year, we weren't taking calls and i think i don't know if it's changed over there since but we would go four hours and not take a single phone call and that's one of those problems that you run into sometimes too is i think that sometimes it became too insular or insulated over there and it became just kind of everybody talking to themselves uh but you know i mean i i'm a believer in talking to people on the phone too some days you talk to more some days you talk to less like let me do this before we get to anything let me talk to ruben who's been waiting i mean we control the phone line if the person calling turns out to be a moron we hang up correct and a lot of times like some of our best stuff came from people who hated me heard from old man sam recently i I don't know if he's still alive i haven't heard from old man sam but he came up for the wedding when we did the wedding bit he did i think i still have his phone number we might have to check in with old man sam hello ruben what's up What's going on, JNR? Hey, man. How y'all doing? Doing well. How about you? 
I'm doing good. Rich, I remember meeting you at uh, me and my brother. We won some sweet tickets to a Texas game. You couldn't have been a nicer guy. I mean, I loved you. I still listen to 16 every now and then, and it's weird not hearing your voice on the commercials. I appreciate you saying that. Just on the commercials, huh? <laughs> well, you know, everything else also. But one thing I do want to agree with Josh is on how 16 lets you go. Because when I remember that day, and they said, well, Rich Lord is no longer here. And I text in that station to me. That's like, why did Rich Lord did not give us a chance to say goodbye to this man? Then you find out like five hours later, like, you know, they just let you go. And I never did agree with that at all. I still miss you on the radio. And Josh, I am a Jissa. Twitch every night. I'll talk to y'all guys later. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate it, Ruben. Thank, Thank you, you, Ruben. Very nice of you to say. Now, uh, Jim Mudd's going to call here in about 15 minutes or so, so we'll talk with him. He's excited, too. You know, I hear, you know who I feel bad for? Jim, because he was so excited to join our show. He's like, boy, I'm in the big time. And it lasted like five months after Jim got there. Yeah. The show was over. Uh, but Jim, Ben, who was there initially, right. uh, and before he moved to Chicago, Ben will call in a little bit. And if you guys want to get in, let's talk. 713-780-3776. We still haven't actually talked about the way things ended at 610. And we'll get into other stuff, obviously, today, too, because there's stuff going on in the world. Lots of stuff going on. So we'll get into that. Uh, but I do want people to hear the story about how things ended over at 610 and why I, I just I didn't like it. I disagreed with it. Uh, you don't have to like someone to to feel bad about the way something went, even though I do like you. I want to be clear. Uh, but you, like, really, like people say, oh, you hated Rich. Well, I did for a while. You hated me. But the way things ended was really like, I guess it's because I'm in the same business as you and I wouldn't want that to happen to me after what I'd given to. Well, I guess three different, four different companies, but one radio station. So we'll talk about that. We'll look at some of your texts as well. It's the Josh Innes show on a J&R day. Stay there. Hello. To call into the HRP listener line, dial 713 780 ESPN. Dial the phone. Looking to outsource your company's HR and payroll? Get the top initiative and smart solutions with HRP.net. You're listening to The Josh Innes Show. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. All right, 232. So That's the other thing that got eliminated. Was time check? Time check. Here's where the time checks came back to me. My boss in Philadelphia, he's like, if you're ever going to move to mornings, you're going to have to start doing time checks. I'm like, Andy, I don't want to do that. But then he started having me do it, and then it became this habit. He's like... People go to the radio for the time. I'm like, no, they don't. No, but everybody, everybody knows what time it is. Right. Uh, but then it became habit. And now I just sound like old radio hacky guy giving the time, but it's become like a, a habit that I try to break. I get it. So 11 months ago, you were let go. I was. Uh, well, fired, however you want to put it. Canned. You know, canned. Bleep canned. Shown the door. Given your pink slip. Yes. But the way it happened really annoyed me. And you can tell the story, but you told it on my podcast Basically, I'll start it here. So you leave work one day and get a text, correct, now, I, from I, I, Armin, who's the new boss. I had one of my uh, trademark two-week vacations. How many uh, How many vacation weeks did you have at the end? Like, how many right, on so your contract did you have? This is, I know, a conversation we've had many times. I, at the, I wound up getting five weeks of vacation. Which, That's baller. Which in this business is unheard of, I understand. But in most businesses... That's not that big a deal when you've been with a company for 20-plus years. True. 
basically what would happen was, well, what happened at one point was I was negotiating my contract. We couldn't agree on the number. I said, well, if you want to throw in an extra vacation week, we're done here. Boom, they did it. Five weeks. Gavin comes in and looks at my contract and goes, you have five weeks vacation? I said, yeah. He goes, no one in this company gets five weeks vacation. (laughs) Well, here's what, like, did you ever consider just taking a month off? Like, no, like just I, July one I, time? I, I did a two-week thing a few times, but never more than two did weeks. Did you go out of the country one year when we I were went doing to Barcelona the show? when that was Katie it. was uh, studying abroad. Yeah. And you made up some Spanish boyfriend. <laughs> we did dumb things. Well, it was funny, though. Yeah. Um, so I was coming off two weeks, and, and I'd come back from a two-week vacation last July, did the show with Sean on Monday, Yep. did the show with Sean on Tuesday. On my drive home on Tuesday after the show, Armin calls. He calls. And I missed his call. I called him back. Turned out I believe he was in Galveston with his family for a couple of days on a short vacation. Is this one of those things like it's probably not normal to get a call from no. the boss? So like but you're thinking this is maybe a little weird? Not necessarily. You know, I, at that point, I, my, my radar wasn't on just yet. But when he uttered the words, I need to see you in my office tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., I knew what was. Is up. that a heart sink moment? You're like, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's fine. Like, no was doubt. there ever a point? And we'll finish the story. But was there ever a point, like when you get to year like 16, 17, when you're almost just kind of waiting for that moment? Because I mean, nobody lasts ten years at a radio well, station. Fifteen. That's amazing. What I will say, Josh, is yes, I was crushed. No, I was not surprised because I've known for a long, long time that like everybody else in this business, at some point I was going to get that tap on the shoulder. Sure. It's inevitable. It's going to happen for very, very few people. Dave Ward. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but most people, you get that tap on the shoulder at some point. Sure. So, yes, my heart sunk. And I said, well, can we uh, talk about this? Uh, What is it we need to talk about? So, well, I need to talk to you about, uh, you know, the lineup in the fall and what we're going to do going into football season. I said, okay. Um, what are we doing? Yeah, what, what are we doing? He said, well, I'd really rather talk about it with you in the morning, which I get where he was coming from completely. Although, so, but if you're going to be part of it, you assume he'll, he won't have a problem with saying, hey, we're going right. to talk about who your partner is right. going to be or something. So I don't know if I should have done this or not, but I called him back after we hung up. So you hung up initially and we go, okay, up. that's cool. I'll be there I'll, at 10. I'll see you at 10 a.m. And then after a while, I sat on it and I called him back, which maybe I shouldn't have done. I don't know. But I called him, and to his credit, basically I said to him, look, Armin, I'm not going to get any sleep tonight if you don't tell me what's going on. I mean, there's a pretty ominous tone to what you're talking about here. Just, just you know, level with me. So he said, okay, man-to-man, we're going to let you go tomorrow. Man-to-man on the phone. Which I can't, man tell, you man. How, uh, which I can't tell you how much I respect him because him, I know he didn't want to talk about it over the phone. And it's also hard when you've had a job for like two months, three months, or however long he had been there, uh, about been five, there about six. Seven. And you come in and you have to fire the guy that's the longest tenured employee there. Yeah. It can't be easy. Yeah. I mean, it could also be easy because you don't you don't have the same relationship. You don't know him, so maybe right. it's easier. I don't know. I've never had to fire anybody, so I don't know. Two things I didn't do when I went in that morning. Number one, ask why. I don't want to know why. But you know what they would have told you? They would have said business. You know, I don't know if I was making too much money. It's not like I was getting millions for doing what I did. Um, I don't know if it was an, a financial issue, whether he just wanted to change directions or if they felt there was something in my performance that was lacking, which I definitely didn't want to hear. Yeah. So, so you'd rather just not know. I, and I still don't know to this day. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to know. And then the other thing was what you're sort of inferred as we went to the break. 
I did not ask for an opportunity to say goodbye. I would have loved the opportunity to spend a show expressing my gratitude. But here's the thing. I totally understand why they did what they did. And I will tell you from practical experience, I'm not going to name any names here because the person I'm going to refer to is still a friend of mine. But I worked with a guy once who did a show, was told the show was coming to an end and he would be shown the door and was given an opportunity to do one more show. That show turned into, please call my boss and tell him not to fire me. Yeah, that kind of sucks. You can't have that. But here's the thing, you though. You can't have but that. But you wouldn't have done that. No, like, I, I, that, that, And I guess that comes from not knowing you because a boss has only been there five months, whatever. Yeah. I know you because you're not a guy that's going to try to ruffle feathers with management. Me, I would have understood if they just, like, cuffed me and took me out because I probably would have made a giant stink in, of everything. In my many years in radio, I've seen many people escorted out the door by security. Well, I didn't have to be taken out by security, but they do walk. Do they walk you to the elevator and take your key card or anything? Uh, or? Ar- after the meeting, Armin walked me to the elevator and took my access card. Yeah, so I wasn't like escorted out by security or anything like that. But you wouldn't have done anything like that on the air. And and again, it's one thing you fire a dope like me that was there for three, four years. I'm not a huge part of the history of a station. When you're someone that launched the station and you're someone who was there for every year of its existence up to that point, at least as that format, you weren't going to do anything. And and, and people should have maybe even vouched. They should have said, listen, Rich ain't going to do anything, man. He's not going to. Let him have this moment. Because I, I think your audience deserve that. I think you deserve that. I wouldn't want to be th- that guy that was there 24 years in a job. And it, and it becomes, well, here, t- let's take your key card and go to the elevator. It also kind of shows that we're all kind of, we're all expendable in a way. No doubt you about be it. Somewhere for, like, you want to be Except humanized. Dave Ward. Other than Dave Ward. <laughs> but 24 years in one job, and it's just like it ends the same way as it does for some part-time board op. It's take your key card, much. get in the elevator, and go. I mean, I'm sitting here struggling to think of anyone other than Dave Ward who was allowed to dictate, you know, when he would leave and what, under what circumstances Well, we thought leave. that was going to be you. That was always the joke. I like, was Rich, hopeful. Oh, and I remember oh, one time we had a fight on the air, and I think you said, you can leave because I'm going to be here. I oh. am not going anywhere. That's I will be guy. here until. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll never forget that day. I looked right at you, and I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I mean, we had some blow-ups, man. Yeah, some there's no doubt. What blow-ups. About, what about in Indianapolis? Do you remember that? We had a fight in Indianapolis. Oh, was, the, was that where Caliendo was? In the lobby in the morning, I yep. run into Frank Caliendo, who I'm fortunate to call a friend. Yep. And I said, Frank, why don't you come on with Josh and I this afternoon? And, and Frank's a very funny guy, very talented in, in, in impersonator. And we had him on. And you wanted to have your dad on. Because I thought it'd be a funny bit to have them go back and forth. Right, because your dad does voices also for people who don't know. So I was thinking, hey, this could be kind of a new way to do the bit and whatever. And my thought at the time was, you don't have two impressionists on at the same time. I just didn't think it was a good idea. So I think I looked at you and I said, your dad's not coming on. And you were pissed. Yes. You were not happy. You spend every break of that show out in the lobby of the ballroom we were doing the yep. broadcast from and wouldn't talk to me at all through the whole show. I did. But then that eventually culminated with Caliendo coming in studio. And that, and that was go, the epic blow that, up. That one even worse. And at one point, like, Gavin's like, get him out of here. Get <laughs> yes. him. Like, it was, but let me tell you, and just here's the I had up. to apologize to Frank. But here's where it all, but this will amaze you. So I got a DM from Frank Caliendo a couple years after that when I was in Philly. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to tell you something, and this is kind of odd, but what happened between you and I 
restarted my career because like in a way you were right that I needed new stuff and that kind of led to this new avenue wow. like, and then I had him on the show in Philadelphia and we talked about it, and he and I send each other messages that's on very a, big of Frank who I, I've maintained all along as a oh, good that's not like uh, Frank wasn't a jerk during that too because he said he was a jerk during that but Frank's so did I. a good dude he always oh, no I agree but he said like listen I was he was in one of those places where everything was setting him off because it was in kind of a weird part of his career yeah. where he was no longer up here he was kind of over here and then it restarted. And really, if anybody's taking advantage of social media, have you seen all the stuff he does on social? I have. Well, oh, come, that's on. A, come on. That's Who you talking to? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, yes, Josh. I'm on Twitter every night. I, I do TikTok. I, listen, I'm really glad Ben's coming on with us because Ben set me up with my Twitter account. Like eight years ago. Which, by the way, is still Rich Lord at SR610. <laughs> and so I need Ben to instruct me as to how to change that. Yes. Now, but with but with Caliendo, he's now taken this new route where he does all of his impressions kind of on on Twitter and stuff, and yeah. he does, like, the Groot and all that. Millions of, of likes and follows. Well, so it's kind of restarted him as well. You were right, because, I, and I'll give you an example. When I was growing up in the 70s, we laughed uproariously at Rich Little. Oh, I bet you did. He was awesome. He yep. impersonated people and made you laugh and hurt when it, when you laughed. At He jumped the shark at one point. At one point, all of a sudden, Rich Little's impersonations all sounded like the same person. <laughs> yes. It went like Carson started sounding like Reagan and all that. And we would look at each other and go, we used to think this guy was funny. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do have to keep it fresh. I agree with that. And, th- and that was kind of the fight. And I wouldn't have done that if I, you know, we were both in a really bad mood. But he, he contacted me and said, hey, I, I was off about that. And I was just in a really bad place. And I said, me too, man. It's all good. And now he and I will shoot each other messages on occasion. So Very nice. I wouldn't I'm glad call him to hear like a that. friend. I mean, because that's weird to use the term friend for someone you just send DMs to on, you know, on Twitter. But like, that, that's just funny how these things work out. We had a lot of drama and highs and lows for a show that was only around for like three years. And figure out, figure this out. You're my longest tenured partner, and it was three years. What does that say about me as a person? You've been in radio, what, about 12 years? I, well, I've, been, I've been in radio since 05, yeah. So you're my longest tenured partner in wow. three years. Yeah, well, yes, I'm a dope. All right, Jim Mudd is supposed to call here in a few minutes. Stay around. My name is Stephen A. Smith, and you're listening to 98.7. Wait, what? I said 98.7, that's my show. Let's try this one more time, okay? My name is Stephen A. Smith, and you're listening to 97.5 FM. You're listening to The Josh Innes Show on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. So we will check in with Jim Mudd here in a few minutes. He's got a real job now. People ask me, where's Jim? And I, honest to God, don't know what his job is. He tries to explain it to me, and I have no clue what he does. But he now works from home, and he's waiting until he goes on his break. I want to hear what he's doing. I, and he tells me every day, and he does something with like like assisting veterans or something. I, I don't know what for it, him. I don't know what the hell he does. He's got a daughter in college now. I think he does. Right? He has a daughter in college, and he has another daughter who's in high school. And he lives out in Kingwood, Atascacita area, and and he wants to get back in radio, but there aren't a ton of jobs right now. Not a good time to be looking for a job. I was actually going to try to. You know, put my head down and try to find something right around the time the pandemic hit. Yeah, so was I. Like, I thought I had a couple of things working, and then they're like, no, nah, you know what? We're going to have to really pump the brakes on this because things are kind of, uh, we've hit a snag. Yeah. 
But like, it's tough. Like, you wouldn't leave Houston, right? Unless it was like some epic job, I would imagine. It would have to be epic, yes. So, and then that's a hard part to find another job in Houston because I mean, there's only so many radio stations, radio companies, and it's not like you're going to go talk up records or anything right. like that. Although I think my wife Jenny would really enjoy me leaving Houston at, at this point. With her staying behind. Yes. So how is that? So in, And I'm sure a lot of people are wow. dealing with this. So this is healthy to talk about. You're actually helping people. So you've basically been in the house for 11 months. But it's also, it's not a situation where Jenny can leave and really go somewhere because you're all closed up and you can't really go anywhere. So really for the last three, I would assume you guys have just been yeah. in the same place, close quarters. Yeah. What's that like? It's not easy. It's a real challenge to your relationship. It really is. And I haven't met that challenge very well. Well, I'm here to admit that. Well, what, when you say you haven't met that challenge, what does that mean? Well, uh, I, I know that she wants to go out more than we go out, but I'm like, where can we go? Well, restaurants are open now, I'm most not, of them. I'm not really ready to do the whole social thing yet. I've been to I'm, like three restaurants little, since uh, they've opened them up. I'm still a little hesitant to, to do. Like like me in this room talking to you is about as much of uh, ignoring social distancing that I've done since this whole thing began. And you've got the microphone condom over there, too. So you're not your spittle will not infect anyone if you happen to have the Rona. Right. Are, my, are you in the Mike danger Trojan. zone for Rona? Like, age-wise, are you in the uh, danger well, zone? I, I think it's 65 and up, so I'm 62. Yes, you're not quite so there yet. Not, not quite this there yet. This is great news. Rich is not going to die today. This <laughs> Hopefully is super. Not. Um, it wasn't too bad until the pandemic because, as you know, Jenny's a retired teacher, mm -hmm. and she was doing a bunch of subbing, mm -hmm. which for retired teachers is like deliverance because you get all the fun stuff of, about teaching and none of the headaches of being a full-time teacher. When you say teacher. deliverance, I don't hear fun. I know what you mean, but when I hear deliverance, I hear uh, Ned Beatty. I know. Uh, so that's what I I'm hear. I'm not talking about like, the movie. I was I'm like, talking wow, about the word. Like squealing like a pig. Huh? I, I like it. I think retired teachers really enjoy subbing because there are no lesson plans. Mm -hmm. There are no report cards. Sorry, parents, but there are no parents. Mm -hmm. There are no... For the most part, administrators and the that teachers you have to and the kids with. like you because you're not there to be their everyday teacher. Right. They'd really just want to kind of exploit the fact that you're not their teacher and kind of run over you. She was loving it, and that provided a break, you sure. know, for for us in not spending twenty four seven together. Um, she wants me to be more engaged. She wants. Uh, I'll, I'll, if we're burying our souls here, I'm <laughs> going to go ahead, ahead and do I it. Hear. She wants me to talk with her more about the George Floyd situation. Mm -hmm. And she, by my reluctance to talk about her too much, interprets that as I don't care. Mm -hmm. And that couldn't be more wrong sure. about that. I care about this stuff. Well, people always considered you the bleeding heart liberal, right? Probably, yeah. Yes. I, I care a lot about this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's on TV 24 hours a day. People are talking about it 24 hours a day. And when she wants to talk to me about it, I need to get better at meeting her need for me to engage. But in how that much can you say? I mean, like, what, well, what all can be said? Kind of part of my point. Like, what do you guys just plop down in front of the TV and watch? You know, like Cuomo or something together. And There's just, a lot of CNN. Yeah, we, we watch Anderson Cooper together and hold hands and uh, and we talk about things. There's a lot of CNN, but just this week we had a big blow up because. I didn't want to talk about George Floyd, and she thought that meant I didn't give a damn about the situation. And, uh, yeah, I need to work on that. So, so, but how do you work on that? Like, you can't make yourself by want sucking to talk it about it. By sucking it up and talking about it, even if I'm not necessarily thrilled about Does it. Does that include more than nodding? Like, do you, like, yes, uh, like yes, the, so yes. let me ask you this, because I do this with Jilly sometimes, too. It's kind of like, uh-huh, yep, 
And then, like, you just kind of placate and just kind of give, like, a, oh, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Are you doing a lot of those? I have to engage. I have to sell it. So, so how do you, like, <laughs> like, like as a sell, can you sell it with more than, like, two words, or does it have to be, like, a sentence? It's got to be much more than two words. Okay, now, can the sell include asking her questions after every statement? Like, why do you feel that way? Well, I think a smart seller always is asking questions. <laughs> so that's what you should do, because <laughs> you don't want to offer, because like, you're kind of, you've seen it on TV all the time. There's only so much you can say. Yes. So you say, why do you, like, oh, yeah, why do you feel that way? Yeah. Or, like, ask a question in another direction. Would that count as engaging? It would. Her, uh, her, and she's going to kill me for saying this, but. Well, she's going to kill you anyway. You guys have been in the house together for 11 months. True. And you've been married for how long now? Uh, thir- in next month, it'll be 33 I'm years. shocked that she hasn't killed you already. And it's she's true. a woman in 2020. She could get away with it. Uh, the, the internet would hate you just because you don't, you know, answer every question your wife has. The biggest complaint these days is, quote, we're not a team. Oh, no, you're getting. What do you mean we're not a team? We're in the same damn house 11 uh, months. Well, it's because I'm riding my bike almost every day, and she's walking the dog almost every day separately. There's nothing. You can't ride a bike and walk a dog at the same time if you're trying to get speed on that bike. I know. You might, what if you run over your dog? I'm amazed by the people who ride their bike while their dog is on a leash. That doesn't seem safe. No, it isn't safe. That's not safe at all. It Why not have safe. a little separate space? She doesn't want to ride a bike because I used to do like the MS-150 and all that stuff. Yeah. And so do you put on like the Lycra shorts and get on your bike and have oh, like I'm, I'm the still little camelback? You do all that and no, have a No, no camelback. No, no, you don't camel do that? Back. You I, have a bottle? Yeah, bottle. Bottle water on the bike and the whole nine yards. Did you watch the Lance documentary? Uh, the 30 for 30? You know what? I already know he's an a-hole. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to see that. I cut, In a way, though, I appreciate that he's still an a-hole. Like, he's not one of these guys that's like, oh, I have sinned. He's like, no. whatever, I'm an a-hole. Right. It is well, what it is. But but he, he's, he's an a-hole for sure. But let's not forget the fact that he got caught doing something that everyone was doing. And that was one of his main points is, like, they all got busted for it. Like, to me, if you have to lose a ball from cancer, you should be able to take steroids. Or he wasn't taking steroids. His was blood doping and all that. But, like, that, I think you should. If you have to lose a ball from cancer, you should get to, uh, you know, blood dope for a while. Well, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's not fair. The guy had cancer. Like, you can't dismiss the fact that he did overcome cancer that was going to kill him, right? You can't dismiss it. It's a great point. The, the, The whole... The, you know, him getting stripped of the seven titles and getting caught cheating and having to give back some of the money. He still has a lot of money. He does, but he had to pay a ton. He though. did, but he's still a wealthy man. It, it, it obscures the story of the amazing story of what he overcame to resume his career as a world-class athlete. But he is an a-hole. Like, there, like he's, he's a no smug doubt. That's why I didn't watch a-hole. it. But I already I, knew that. But I liked it. But in a way, I kind of dug it because I also hate when the people have this kind of over-the-top, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a better person now type of thing. He's like, somebody asked him in the interview, she said, so, like, do you miss being relevant? And he, like, turns to the camera like Batman and goes, I am relevant. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I like that. You know, it just keeps, it's like a wrestler. Even when the heel wrestler loses, the heel wrestler comes out the next day and acts like the biggest thing in the world. Does he still get booed? I think he does, yeah. I think yeah. so. But, like, his, his foundation still exists. They just have distanced from him. But, right. I mean, they raised a ton of money. Like, you can't dismiss that. Like, like it might be because I don't care about bicycle racing. Like, it doesn't do anything for me. So, if it were a different sport, maybe I'd care more. Yeah. yeah. But I just don't really care about what he... Like, like, so what? He cheated at riding a bicycle. So what? So, the lesson for me is walk the dog more with my wife. You should. And engage in socially relevant conversations with her more. Is it possible for you to walk the dog with Jenny and then go ride your bike? It is. I think you're kind of lousy for not doing that already. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm with, Jenny. I'm with Jenny on this. You always were. And let me tell you something. I'm with Jenny on this, and I'm with Jenny. I love both Cuomos. 
I love both of them. I'd like to. Can we come together and watch Rachel Maddow together? Maybe she loves her some Andrew Cuomo. She can't go a day without watching his briefings. Well, it's because uh, she's not of the age to get thrown into an old folks' home and die from the Rona. So that's why she likes Andrew Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> Might be true. Right. Hour two is next. ESPN 97.5. 97.5.